All right, welcome back to your more regularly scheduled programming. We just got done with our Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers trade breakdown, so feel free to go listen to that later. You know, Tony and I, pretty high on it for the Panthers. Zelo was much, much less impressed. But we go back to what we kind of really enjoy doing and we find to be a good exercise for both us as, as fanalists and as for our listeners to inform them about kind of just the the nitty-gritty transactions that maybe don't get covered more often in each of these divisions. And, of course, to give you our predictions for every single game in the NFL schedule. It's kind of the goal of these deep dives is to slowly build up familiarity with these new teams because, of course, every year, even if a lot of the cast kind of stays the same for each organization, there are changes that make the teams different. And we're trying to spot those changes and tell you what's important and maybe a little bit more what's, what's noise. Last time Tony and I came to you, we talked about the AFC South and why we think three of the four teams are going to end up with losing records, or maybe it'll, you know, it'll most likely be two, but possibly three. Go listen to that episode if you want to find out which three teams. Uh, Instead of telling you why I think that those three teams are probably going to be pretty bad, I implore you just, no, I beseech, urge even, is Tony, is urge more or less than beseech? Um... I think urge is more. I'm going to go with more. More? I was going to say beseech is more important. Okay, I urge, because urge is bigger than beseech. I urge you to listen to that episode later. Not now, because those those deep dives are episodes are evergreen until the NFL season officially starts with Bills at Rams. So go listen to that after this one. But today we're going to do the AFC West, because it's probably one of the most interesting divisions in the entire NFL, because it is so competitive with four teams that I think you, if you said this team will win the division, I don't think a ton of people are going to to disagree with you because it's all four teams have good quarterbacks, all four teams have pretty good offenses, all four teams, some more than others, have have decent defenses, and so there's going to be a lot of parity in this division, and there's going to be a lot of competitive games in this division. I believe it has it's probably has the most prime time games. So Tony. Um, do you want to start where we normally do with the division winner of last season in the Chiefs? Yep, let's do that. All right, so the Chiefs, to give you our little fast facts preview, by cap space, they have $14.3 million in cap space. Their dead cap is $7.9 million. Their cap health, which of course is the stat, you take the three the top three players who are the ca- uh, top three cap hits for that team and you add them up. And if they are more than 30% of the overall cap, your cap is deemed unhealthy. The Chiefs have a cap health of 39%. Now, lineups gave them a first overall offense ranking and an eighth overall defense ranking. They finished in the AFC Championship losing to the Bengals. Their draft grade was four, according to Mel Kuyper. Uh, going into this season, their pro uh, football, their power football index ranking was fourth. Their positional needs were cornerback, wide receiver, and defensive end in the draft. Their strength of schedule is fifth. Their Zelo projected rank is eleventh, and their projected record is nine point six and seven point four. Their head coach is Andy Reid, entering his tenth tenth season with the Kansas City Chiefs. Eric Bieniemy enters his fifth as the offensive coordinator in my forever. Please hire this man ASAP if you want your team to turn around. That's uh, him for now five seasons. And Steve Spagnola enters his fourth season with the Chiefs as the defensive coordinator. So where do you want to start? Because there are a lot of places you can start. You can start with Tyreek Hill. You can kind of start with some of the defensive losses that they had with with their draft. What do you make of this, Tony? 
I think I'm actually going to start at, at a spot that I haven't started at with any other team. I'm going to start at their cap health because that that was a concerning thing when I first opened up the draft doc and uh, Tom is the one that pretty much does all the fast facts. So uh, I was looking over everything when I was doing my show prep and unhealthy is the term that is used uh, whenever it's 30% or more as we've discussed with past teams. But not only is the Chiefs an unhealthy quote-unquote team by cap health, it is actually the most unhealthy team we have done so far. 39%, the next closest I think was 35%, so it is a pretty sizable difference. I, I think Mahomes, he's an awesome quarterback, but he he consumes 17% of the cap just by himself. That is a ridiculous number to have in one player. And on the one hand, yes, because he is a great quarterback, he deserves a ton of money. I'm not going to take that away from him, absolutely. But he also has to understand that you cannot take all of that money and maintain a team that can win it all. I do think that Reed and the coaching staff have honestly done a very good job of replacing some of their offseason cap losses with some younger, cheaper guys, but they are running out of room to kind of win another championship. So let's now start at the most quote-unquote newsworthy loss, Tyreek Hill. In my opinion, honestly, I do think that Tyree Kill is very overrated. I think his bread and butter is really his speed, and that's about it. He's not a guy that's going to catch a contested jump ball reliably, his route running. It's not bad, but it's not going to blow you away. It's nothing particularly special. He, honestly, if anything, directly caused quite a few of Mahomes' interceptions last season, particularly at the beginning of the season. He was having a real issue with drops and Ball's going right through his hands, uh, conveniently right into the hands of defenders. And as he ages, of course, his speed is going to decline just naturally. And he's, I believe he's going to sink into more of a mediocre, uh, mediocre to good range wide receiver. He's not going to be anything particularly special once his speed goes away. These fast receivers, quote unquote, are starting to kind of become a dime a dozen. There's a lot of them that seems to enter in every single draft. The Chiefs proved this by picking up a young, deep threat, Marquez Valdez-Scantley from the Packers. Now, I will admit, MVS is not quite as fast as Tyreek. His 40 time was, I believe, just under a tenth of a second slower, which is a considerable margin for sure, but he's still more than capable of burning a DB on a go route. But I do believe that MVS actually has better hands. Uh, He's not going to cost Mahomes many, if any, turnovers, because he cost Rodgers quite a few in his first year himself. he had a real issue with balls going right through his hands, but this past season watching green Bay and specifically watching him in a lot of games, he has picked that up quite a bit besides Hill. They definitely lost. They lost Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson who are both part of the team, but they didn't really like light up the league or anything. So Juju Smith seems to be the addition to compensate for at least one of those guys. Defensively. I think this unit was really interesting last year. They started off as one of the worst units in the NFL for the first half of the season. They ended up being top 10, according to lineups. Um, They did lose a couple pieces, Teron Matthew, uh, Traverius Ward. They finally got rid of Daniel Sorensen, the worst DB in football. So, you know, that was always a good thing. The Chiefs did use a lot of draft capital in the secondary, which could either be great or terrible. We don't really know since none of them have experience. I don't know. I do think the, uh, the defense is slipping, and they're going to continue to kind of fall behind every single year. I think they're going to slip to just outside the top 10 this season, and they're going to get con- they're going to con- continue to get worse as Mahomes' 
ridiculous contract uh, keeps going off. Until that is off the table and off the books, he's just going to be too expensive. I don't think they're going to get any better and, if anything, get worse until he's – not necessarily he's gone, but his contract is gone. So, yeah, I mean, offensively, this is definitely going to be more of a by-committee approach. Uh, according to Zelo, Tyreek Hill was the eighth best wide receiver in the NFL, just from a statistically based perspective. Now, he was traded to Miami, and he was given a huge contract that, quite frankly, the, the Chiefs just couldn't afford to match. I know that the Mahomes contract is fairly unique in that it is kind of, it's, you know, I highly recommend you go look it up. It's a little complicated to explain right now because we're trying to keep this episode within the hour, but it's a fairly flexible contract that can be manipulated up until there's five years left because of some contract rules that were negotiated in the the bargaining agreement the cba um so i think they just didn't want to exercise that that contract malleability just yet and so they let hill go because they probably just weren't really willing to pay that huge number uh they also lost demarcus robinson so he was the 102nd ranked wide receiver and byron pringle 66th um now, I actually like their additions. Like, I, I kind of understand what they're going for here. So they added Juju Smith-Schuster, who was ranked 115th, MVS 75th in free agency. They got they retained Josh Gordon, which isn't a huge piece. And then they drafted Sky Moore, so the wide receiver out of Western Michigan. Now, the question becomes, and Tony, I guess, I guess your answer is kind of leaning towards no, is that can that group and Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends, if not the best in the NFL, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire replace the offseason losses? I'm going to say the Chiefs are going to miss the gravity, but if Sky Moore can play well, and he's, according to Mel Kuyper, he's kind of a good replacement for Tyreek Hill. I think that, you know, if if those ancillary pieces can play well, and now obviously Kelsey's going to be the team, the component that most of the defense hones in on, I think that the Chiefs are going to be good offensively because they have Mahomes, because they have Kelsey, because they have Andy, uh, Andy Reid which is kind of a big one. Um, but it's not going to be what it was, right? It's not going to be bombing it down to Tyreek Hill like they did in, in week one against the Browns where Mahomes is kind of like, I saw I saw Hill running, so I figured, eh, let's just see if he can get it. And, you know, he goes up and he gets it. Um, so I expect the offense to be good but not great. Um, and I expect their offensive line to remain kind of the same. They, they only added a fifth-round guard, but they didn't really lose anyone on the line. So I think the line will be good. So I think that... The, the offense should still be fairly good. Is, is that kind of a fair assessment to you? Yeah, I think that the offense is definitely going to be kind of the spotlight of this team again. I don't think it's going to be the defense anytime soon. While I don't think they're going to be bad, I think they're going to be pretty decent. I, I think that this explosive offense does have another year or two left in it. It's just going to mm-hmm. kind of slowly, as players start to become cap casualties, kind of like we saw with Tyreek, like, it's just going to slowly chip away at the explosiveness of this offense. And it's going to take a couple years before it's uh, probably even a good offense. I still think they're going to be a good to great offense somewhere in there, but I don't think they're going to be, you know, the past couple seasons, it's like, well, the chiefs are probably going to be the best offense in football. And it's pretty unanimous. I think it's kind of more up for grabs and it's going to continue to be more up for grabs as the seasons progress. Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely depend on Sky Moore. I think he's going to be a pretty good prospect. I think he's going to do well in the Kansas City system. 
Um, but if you know if he obviously doesn't, then this this offense is going to have a lot of problems and and look more like the the first like six or seven weeks of the Chiefs' offense last season than more towards the end. Um, I where I disagreed with you was the defense. So I I don't think they're going to be pretty bad this year. I actually think as much as they are going to miss Matthew. He was the 12th best safety by Zelo. So that's a, that's a meaningful departure, but I actually really like Justin Reed. So he was the Texans uh, DB that they brought in and he, they brought him in at a pretty comfortable price. Like it's not outrageous. It was, I believe cheaper than Matthew's asking price. They added Dion Bush. So he's a top 20 secondary and Lonnie Johnson jr. Via a trade. Those two Johnson and Bush were pretty cheap additions, which is why I think, that they, they're they not going to have the same caliber of star on defense, but those two are going to be very meaningful because they're cheap. And like you said, yeah, we, we both made the same joke about uh, losing Daniel Sorensen and how the Chiefs are going to be okay with that. Um, and then two players that they're going to miss a little are uh, Ward, like you said, another really good DB, and Hughes, also another uh, a really good CB. Um I think Ward going to the 49ers is what's going to make the 49ers really, really good this year. I think in part, obviously, I think the 49ers are going to have a really outstanding defense. Um, And Hughes, of course, was a nice little cheap kind of productive piece. Uh, But the Chiefs did recover some value in their secondary via the draft. They used a first-round pick on Trent McDuffell out of Washington and a second on Brian Cook out of Cincinnati. And then later on, Josh Williams and Jalen Watson uh, in the lower round. So it's going to look differently, but I think it may stay pat because the caliber of the quality of player overall is not kind of honed in on one, but it's going to take a step back, but maybe not that dramatically. I think... I don't uh, think... Can't... Oh, go ahead. I don't think they're going to be bad. I think they're going to just be... Last year, they were kind of like just inside the top 10, but I think it was about eight or nine. This year, I think they're going to be just outside the top 10. I think it's going to be kind of more 11, 12. So mm. I don't think it's going to be significant drop off, but adding solid players, a lot of solid players that aren't, that are coming from different areas. Cheap solid players. That, yeah, cheap solid players. Like that is a good thing, 100%. I think in the long run, that's a great thing to have. But that first year, sometimes I do worry about at what point do you add enough new players where they don't really mesh well and you don't know who plays well with who. Like, Sure, they could all play fantastic together and they could be better than they were last year. That's 100% mm-hmm. on the table. But I also think that it's more likely that there's going to be a little bit of growing pain, some issues with guys that haven't played together and you kind of have to figure each other out for a little bit. So I think it's going to be a slight decline. That's probably going to continue through the years, but I don't think it's going to be anything serious now, just a little worse this year. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I I think that, I you know, really my trust in the, why this is going to be okay is because Eric Benamy is going to do so well with the offense and Spags is going to do so well with the defense. So I think the Chiefs are probably, they're going to look very different than what they did last year, but I think they will still be a very good team like they were last year. Absolutely. That is definitely where we can agree. I think the coaching staff, if if all else fails, I do believe this coaching staff is more than capable of keeping this team. Yeah. No, and that's that's what I'm betting on. That's what I feel pretty good about betting on is that the constants are going to keep everything from falling apart. All right, let's go to the schedule. So the Chiefs open up week one against Arizona. Win. Then they play the Chargers at home. Now, that's a tough one. The Chargers have been making in my opinion, all of the right moves. 
and the Chiefs may have regressed a little. So that's tough. I'm going to... I think we should have them split. I like that. All right. So then in week three, we ha- we already did Indiana. We had them beating Indiana. Then they'll play on the road against Tampa Bay. I think I, th- hmm, I think that's going to be a win. A win, okay. I think, uh, yeah. Home to Las Vegas. Home to Las Vegas. Win. Uh, then we tagged them home to Buffalo in week six. Now on the road at San Francisco. San Fran's one of those teams that I could definitely see creating an issue for the Chiefs for really any team, but it's especially probably, on the road. It's really going to depend on first of all who's a quarterback, and secondly, if you know we assume Trey Lance, if he's going to be able to really come out and kind of light up the league. Uh, I guess not light up the league, but do well like like we think he can. I personally don't really see him being particularly great in his first year as a starter. So I think for that reason, assuming he starts, we can give it to the Chiefs. You're giving... I want to tag it because I think that that 49ers defense is going to be really good. And I honestly, I like Lance. I think Lance is going to be good. Yeah, I I do think that the defense could definitely make it a tough game. So 100%, if you want to tag it, that's... I fully agree with that, but Liking Lance mm-hmm. and having Lance do well without really seeing anything—two different things. No, fair enough. Uh, I, I think it's it's, and that's why I want to tag it is because I think it's kind of tricky to tell with with Lance. Um, yeah, tag. All right, so then they have a bye week in week eight, and then we have them winning in weeks nine and ten against Tennessee and Jacksonville. In week eleven, they take on the Chargers on the road. Mm-hmm. How do, we said I we're splitting people, that. Yeah. We, we have a split in that. And then the Rams in week 12. Oh, that is a tough one. I mean, we can't have them winning all these games. We could tag it or say it is a loss because I do like the Rams. We'll tag it for now. All right. And then next is Cincinnati. When? I'm assuming you have that. Yeah, you want to do that as a win. Um, De- at Denver. I want to have them. Sp- you have that as a win, even though it's on the road? I, I think Denver is extremely overhyped, so I, I'm going to say mm. win, yeah. All right, and then Houston Week 15, we have that as a win. And then I'm assuming Seattle is a win as well. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a win. Denver home is a win. And at Raiders, how do we feel about that? I think the Raiders is probably going to be – I think they can sweep. I think they could sweep the Raiders. Interesting, okay, so – we have the problem where we only gave Chiefs a single ta- uh, a single loss in three tags for a record of 14.5 and 2.5. And and so I'm going to say we should go in and tag the Tampa game. The problem is this team is good enough to beat every single one of the teams on its schedule. It's just which teams it's going to lose to. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right there. So we now have them as 14-3. and three. That makes me feel great. The Chiefs are regressing, guys, except they're going to run the tables. Oh, that's the problem. They play a lot of good teams, so there are definitely going to be some games that we have as wins that are probably going to be losses. I don't think that they actually end up going 14-3, and but you know, how do you look at one team and say the Chiefs are going to win here and look at another team that's just as good, but then, then they lose here? It's so That's why it's so difficult with these really, really good teams. Yeah, personally, I would want them to split with more of their divisional opponents, but 
we can discuss that down the road. So why don't we move over to the next team, which is the Raiders. I'll give you my fast facts. So starting with cap space, the Raiders currently have $21.6 million in cap space with a dead cap hit of $29.5 million. Their cap health is 18% without the dead hit and 28% with. So that is typically we differentiate between the dead hit uh, cap health when the cap, when the dead cap hit is more than one of the three contracts that constitutes the cap health stat. So looking at their draft, they were given a B by Mel, and they needed offensive tackles, defensive tackles, and defensive backs. Their power football index is 14th, and their strength of schedule is 7th. They were given last season a 21st offensive ranking by lineups and 26 defensively. Their total DVOA was negative 5%, meaning they were 21st in the league. They finished with an ASU wildcard loss to the Bengals. Their current record, or their current rank, I should say, according to Zelo this year, is 10th with a Zelo record of 9.9 and 7.1. They enter with an entirely new coaching staff after, of course, the the awkward John Gruden stuff where that was pretty terrible and he got fired in the middle of the season. Josh McDaniels is their head coach. Their offensive coordinator is Mike Lombardi and Patrick Graham is the defensive coordinator. Love it. So Tony, how do you feel about their star wide receiver, Devonte Adams? I think he's the best wide receiver in the league and he's a whole lot. He's, he's going to, he's going to fit in a whole lot better in my opinion on the Raiders than he is with the Packers, mostly because I don't want him. <laughs> yeah. So, Offensively, I think that this season was full of upgrades for the Raiders, so they signed Hunter Renfro to an extension, and it might have made him slightly overpaid. I do think he's a top 20 wide receiver, and when Renfro is a top 20 wide receiver and your second best target, you're in really good hands because the Devontae Adams trade was huge. I think that he's probably one of the best wide receivers in the league, if not the best, uh, when he was with Rodgers. And according to Zelo, he was second last year and projected to finish fourth this year. They picked up Demarcus Robinson from the Chiefs, which is a great addition. And of course, they have Waller, who's one of the great pass-catching options and is sixth by, uh, in tight ends by Zelo. They got Keelan Cole. He was a nice, quiet little pickup. And then Zamar White with a fourth-round pick gives them um, some good depth. And then looking at the line, that was kind of their one big problem they were 21st last year not really a good mark and it's not going to improve they didn't do a whole lot on the line besides dylan parham a memphis guard they took in the third round um and then they added another offensive line piece from ohio state in the seventh round but like i don't really expect a seventh round uh, pickup to do a whole lot but i think the weapons wise the raiders are going to be a huge headache for defensive teams or for the defenses of teams yeah, it, it it looks a lot like the Raiders have gone with the mindset of, well, it doesn't matter how bad our O-line is if somebody's always open for Carter to throw to. And I guess that is a way of looking at it. But when I'm looking at the Raiders, I kind of compare them to the Cardinals. I think they're going to be the Cardinals of this, of this division. And by that, I mean that they are a solid team, but they're not as good as the other teams in their division, the Chiefs or the Chargers specifically. I think that the addition of Devontae is going to be big for the offense, especially because Adams already is a really close friend of Derek Carr. They already played together back in college. So I think the chemistry is there. But Devontae is not going to have another year like he had with Rodgers. Carr is good, but as Brett Favre said, he's nowhere near Rodgers' level. Demarcus Robinson, as you said, was another addition that I think it's going to be productive. Not because I think Demarcus is particularly great, but with all those other weapons that the Raiders have, defenses are not going to give him the same respect that they're going to give to Devontae and Renfro and Waller. And that's going to allow him to get open and be available a lot more often. 
just kind of by default. Waller, of course, he's going to continue to get targets, and he's going to be a really awesome red zone target, probably opposite of Devontae. So no matter where Carr goes, he always has kind of an out. Uh, I think defensively they made some good moves, quite a few in the draft. So, you know, because of draft picks, I don't really care about them now, but I think that they could all pan out really well. Adding Chandler Jones could be good if he continues to be dominant at his age. There's not a ton of super dominant 32-year-olds at his position, but he has stayed fairly consistent so far, so I there's no reason to doubt him yet. Last year, they were a bottom 10 defense according to lineups, and that's going to change mostly on the backs of incoming draft picks. So that's really going to define what this defense is. This defense could be, you know, jump to maybe an average position. They could fall and get a little worse if a lot of their draft picks don't pan out. So it's going to come down to that. Yeah, no, I think I honestly am really optimistic about the Raiders improving defensively. So they added uh, the the draft picks that you mentioned were Neil Farrell and Matthew Butler, and those are two pretty well graded defensive tackles from um, from SEC schools. And those moves are, were, I think, really good draft picks because they lost Darius Fillon and Gerald McCoy and Quentin Jefferson, who were all uh, IDLs. Now they did add uh, Beal Nicholas, who was a great signing, a good cheap signing. They had Vernon Butler, who I don't think played a ton last season, but I really liked him as again like a kind of cheap signing. At the edge position, they kept Max Crosby, one of the best defensive ends in the NFL. And they, like you said, added Chandler Jones is huge. Like, I think that that is going to be an incredible addition that's going to make them really good. Now, they did lose Yannick Ngakwe, uh, but would you say that Jones is an upgrade, even if he's a little bit of a pricier upgrade from Yannick? And there's also no guarantee that he continues his dominance. His age is the only thing that is going to start to kind of uh, worry me a little bit but again he hasn't shown any signs of regression yet it's just kind of a matter of time maybe he has one more year maybe he has three maybe this is the final year that he kind of you know starts to really sputter out and not really do anything and if mm-hmm. that does happen you kind of paid him a lot for that so I think that Yannick would be a little bit better of maybe a longer term move but I think that as of right now if Chandler Jones can can continue to compete and be like he has been in the past he's definitely a great addition yeah, and I think it's going to help Chandler having Max Crosby. I really yeah. do. I think that that helps. That's going to 100% take some edge off of him just because he's not going to get as much attention. But, you know, Yannick uh, Ngakwe, 27 years old, Chandler Jones, 32. So a, you know, a five-year difference in the NFL is a lot of time. So Yannick, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he ends up being better than Chandler Jones. Maybe he doesn't. Chandler's kind of your more... Uh, you know what you're going to get. Yannick is, you might get this, but you could also get this. So I think they're just going on the route of safety and experience. And worse comes to worse, even if he doesn't pan out, he's got a lot that he can teach that D-line. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, the Raiders, um, turning to the secondary, they picked up Anthony Everett, who is a top 30 cornerback, according to Zillow, on a, on a, a team-friendly deal. And they added Duran Harmon of the Falcons on another cheap deal, but he's not as good. He's not roughly the same caliber uh, as Everett. And then they added the Colts' Rakyasin, who's one of my favorite players just because he's got a great name. Um, and he's a, he's a young player. I believe he was the youngest player to be acquired by the Raiders during the off season because, like you said, they kind of they kind of went older. Um, he was ranked 84th, but that was while missing games. And again, I think Rakisin is going to benefit from being surrounded by some older players as well. Yeah, absolutely. These older players that they're bringing in should certainly boost the younger players around them, which should certainly boost the entire team. So I am excited to see what they do and what these additions bring to the table for this team. They could be very good this year, but 
Uh, again, I do think that they're going to kind of suffer at the hands of being in such a good division. Yeah, I think all of these teams are going to suffer at the hands of being in a good division, though. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I think I forget with this team is when I have the third in the division is that they were a playoff team last year, and they were pretty close to advancing to the next round. I think they, you know, they gave the Bengals a run for their money. So, is it shocking to you that Zelo has them being better than the Chiefs? It, mm, I mean, I, I guess it would be pretty surprising. Yes. Yeah, I mean, now granted, it's a it's a difference of eight Zelo points. So the Raiders are tenth, the Chiefs are eleventh, but the the Raiders, I believe, have an easier schedule even if it's slightly, and I think that is ending up as the difference between the two teams as far as record goes, because Zelo is projecting that the Raiders will finish by about half a game better of a record. That would certainly be a surprise. Uh, I think that I think that the Raiders last year did not deserve the record they had. I think that the record mm-hmm. was a little bit more optimistic as to, that, as to how good that the actual team was. Not that they were bad, but I don't think that they were really all that playoff good uh so i i think that the chiefs are kind of more tried and true i believe in them a lot more than i believe in the raiders but the raiders seem to always catch some sort of weird magic right at the beginning and then kind of sputter out at the end they didn't really Mm -hmm. seem to sputter out as much at the end last season so maybe that's a fluke or maybe they're really starting to kind of figure it out who knows I honestly think that that's a team that had to fight through the departure of John Gruden in such a traumatic way that was detrimental to the team. And they had to rally kind of around losing him and becoming better, you know, in spite of, uh, in spite of losing him. And I think that maybe it helped them honestly down the stretch. Now that, that sounds like the great plot of a movie in a couple years. <laughs> that, that maybe that's just the writer. In yeah, me. maybe. Yeah, there it is. All right, so let's hop over to their schedule. They open against the Chargers on the road against the Chargers. How do we have that? I think I think I would ha- I would be comfortable having the Chargers and Raiders split. Okay. Yeah, I'm good with that. All right, Arizona week 2. Arizona. That's a tough game cuz these are really really equivalent teams in my mind. Uh I this could be 100% 50-50 for me, so I'm going to throw this one up to you. I'm going to tag it because I feel a very similar way. All right, right, we have them tagged against Tennessee in week three. Now they play Denver in week four at home. I say we give this a win and have them split. I agree. Now we have them getting swept by Kansas City, so week five is a loss, week six is a bye, and week seven is a Houston tag game. So the first time we get to pick in that hot minute is the Saints in week eight. Do we have the Raiders beating the Saints on the road? Hmm. On the road. That's what I, I feel like makes it tricky. Yeah, that's the part that really messes with me a little bit. I think I would be comfortable saying this one is a loss. A loss, okay. At Jacksonville, I'm assuming we have as a win. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, I'm looking at the historical records. We have that as a tag. You, I want to go back and change that a lot. Yeah, I want to go back and change that as well. <laughs> okay. Indiana week 10 is a tag. Uh, and week 11 is on the road at Denver. So I believe we have that as a split. Yeah. So we'll take a, the loss yeah. there. Yeah. On the road against Seattle should be a win, yes? Yep. Uh, now, home against the Chargers, we want to have that as a win? 
Home against the Chargers, yep. On the road against the Rams. On the road, that's going to be a loss. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we have them tagged against New England in Week 15. In Week 16, Pittsburgh, I'm going to put that as a win. Because they yeah, not only I, did the Raiders beat Pittsburgh this year, um, but you know I think they got better in the, and the Steelers got a lot worse. I agree. All right, San Francisco. Loss. Ooh, okay, interesting. Kansas City, we have as a loss. Yep. So do you, I'm assuming you want to go in and change that Jacksonville tie slash tag to a win, right? Just a straight-up yeah. win? Yep, I think we should change that. Okay, so we that puts them at seven losses with four tags, which means that that puts them at six wins. So we have them with a record of eight and nine. Wow, really? Eight and nine? I mean, that, that checks out. Mo- it, but once again, they're a good team, but it's just this division's going to add up losses fairly quick for them, I think. Yeah, eight and nine is just a really big surprise. I, I kind of expected them to do somewhat better. I no. think that they would do better. There are some divisions that they could probably fairly easily win, but like, you know, last year they had 10 wins. This year, them moving to to uh to eight wins wouldn't necessarily be that surprising given that the chargers have continued to get better and the broncos have gotten significantly better um even if i don't think they're crazy good they have definitely gotten significantly better yeah no i i think you're right i think that this is just again this is the competitive competitiveness of the division kind of making everybody appear worse even if we know that they're better than their record shows absolutely plus this year they have uh, what was it, the seventh most difficult strength of schedule for this season? I don't believe they had that difficult last season. Yeah, no, I think you're I think you're right in that. So yeah, that's just a good team that's fallen fallen victim to uh quite a few unfortunate events. Yeah, well it's just uh the pain of living in a division where you have to face Russell Wilson uh twice a year, Patrick Mahomes twice a year, and now Justin Herbert twice a year. So yep, there you go. I think you you lose. We win because we get to watch these teams, but those teams lose. All right. Speaking of Justin Herbert, it's time to flip over to the charge wagon. So we'll do our fast facts breakdown. So as always, we start with cap space. So the cap space for the Chargers is fourteen point five million. The dead cap is three point seven million. Their cap health is right up at thirty percent. So they're right on the the threshold of healthy team. Uh, turning to the draft, Mel's draft grade for them was a B minus with needs at tackle, linebacker, and guard. Their uh, rankings last season were ninth offensively and 29th defensively, courtesy of lineups. And their total DVOA was 8.7th, making them the 12th best team in the NFL. Despite that, though, they ended up missing the playoffs in a very close thriller game against the Chargers. Their pro football, uh, their power football index ranking is seventh by ESPN. Their strength of schedule is tenth. Zelo has them as the best team in football with a record of 11.9 and 5.1. Their coaching staff is all entering their second year with head coach Brandon Staley in his second, Joe Lombardi in his second, and Ronaldo Hill in his second. So I honestly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the lead on this one. This is the team that should win that like legitimately can win the Super Bowl with Herbert B if he plays at the MVP caliber that I think he can and should this year. I absolutely agree. I think that last year we were we were pretty high on the Chargers last year. Obviously we've we've bought into the Chargers hats and and uh we are now officially at least semi Chargers fans. 
So I do think that this year, the organization has continued to do all of the right things. If I am a organization right now that is struggling, if I have a bad team, and I want to look at another team that has done the right things to become a very competitive team, I'm looking at the Chargers. They have done everything that they've needed to do. They've picked up an elite quarterback who is still on a rookie deal and very young. They've done everything they need to do to make sure their O-line is better. They've gotten them weapons. Their defense has gotten better. They've gotten new coaches that all mesh well together. I think that if more than now more than ever, this team can definitely win the Super Bowl. Over the last two seasons, this team, they've been amazing, and the record has improved to show that. Over the past three seasons, they've continuously improved two games per year, and I believe that they can do that again. Jumping from 9-8 and eight to 11-6, and six, I don't think that they would really have much issue with doing that. They only really might have added value with draft picks and you know losing only a couple of fairly minor pieces here and there. I don't think that they're, they're going to get any worse by any means. Last season, according to lineups, they ranked ninth in offense, which I believe that they can do uh, better this season. And oddly enough, they were a bottom three, 29th in defense. That definitely was not great, and they definitely need to get that sorted out. But they looked like they were on a little bit of an upward slope towards the end of the season. If they can go 9-8 and eight with a bottom three defense, they can definitely crack 10-plus wins with even an average defense. And I, I expect them to trend more towards average this season. Justin Herbert is my dark horse MVP candidate once again. And I think that this year, more than ever, he's going to show that he deserves to be in that conversation. No, absolutely. Now, I want to go to the defensive side because I think it was the side that made the most interesting move. So they added Khalil Mack via a trade. I believe it was a pretty pretty friendly trade. I mean, they definitely inherited a very expensive salary on an aging player. Um, and he's he's coming back from an injury. He only played 30% of the snaps last season for the Bears, and that is a concern. And as the Bears are kind of turning to a rebuild, I think it just didn't make sense for them to retain Mack, so they sent him to the Chargers. So even if Mack doesn't come back at 100%, like even if it's 80% Khalil Mack because he's starting to age and he's injured now, Mack and Boza are going to be ridiculous together. Like that defense got so much better. Um, but, you know, if Mack was the sexy splashing splash signing, I think the interesting signing to me was Kyle Van Noy on a cheap one-year deal. Like that's going to be really important for them too. I think that that, that unit really did get that much stronger at the linebacker position. Like if you're, if your depth chart reads Joey Bosa, uh, and then you have Khalil Mack and then somewhere in the back is Kyle Van Noy, like you're doing pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this team is definitely poised to make a bit of a deeper run than they did last season. They're going to be a whole lot better. And I do, you know, they have the 10th most difficult schedule, so they are trending towards the more difficult side of the league. But I think that they are more than ready to take on that schedule and come out potentially on top as the winner of this division. Yeah, no, I do too. And I mean, you know, that's not even the the end of their signings. They added um, to their interior defensive line with signing Morgan Fox and Austin Johnson. And then they added some Rams pieces in Sebastian Joseph Day and Troy Reeder. Um, who is a linebacker, like those two guys obviously followed Staley across the street because they, one, they lived in LA and two, Staley used to work for the Rams. So I think it made a lot of sense for him to go over there, uh, for them to go over there. Um, and then they added, they added more pieces in the secondary. They added JT Woods, a safety in the third round. And then they added JC Jackson from the Patriots. He's 27 and with the Chargers for the next few years. So I honestly think that 
They got a lot of good defensive pieces, and that LA defense should take a huge step forward, way up from 29th. They should at the worst. My expectation is league average. Yeah, I agree. I think that if they can just get to anywhere from maybe 14 to 18, that kind of a range, they're definitely going to be strong contenders for the Super Bowl this coming season. Yeah, no, it would really shock me if they if they were to miss the playoffs or something. Like they should they should at the very least I think make the second round of the playoffs is where they should start start to be expecting themselves to make or to be. Yeah. English guys, I promise I English. Um <laughs> just a quick note to the to the offense. I did want to mention that I liked how they got a guard in the first round and picking up Zion Johnson. Uh, they lost Michael Schofield. He played 75.9% of the Chargers snaps, but he was age 32. So I think that he is probably A, going to go and sign, and B, because of his age, the Chargers are okay with parting with him. And so I expect that that line should probably be top 15 again this year. Again, kind of contributing to an absolutely dynamic offense. Yeah, it's just going to continue to get better and better. I think that this offense could crack into that kind of top five domain. If they can do that, I don't see many teams being able to stop them. Yeah, Zelo has them being the best offense in the AFC. Which I can 100% see. The Chiefs got a little worse. Uh, I guess the Bills would be the only one that could kind of, you know, really be a contender. But I don't think the Bills have the same the same firepower that the, that the Chargers do by a slight margin. I think that they, they definitely have firepower, although I think what really is going to have hurt the Bills is they I think they lost a lot of wide receiver depth, which I think is going to hurt them. Whereas, you know, I believe, has Josh Allen's deal kicked in? I think it's just starting to, but it hasn't really hurt the team yet. Let me, let me Could check. Because be I think, I feel like that's, I mean, he's got, a, he, it's 16 million, but compare that to Herbert, who's still an incredibly cheap rookie. Like, I think that yeah. is partially the difference. But yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's no reason that this offense. Now, I think we're probably a little bit lee, a little over optimistic on the Chargers, but I see no reason that they a can't win this division and b be one of the best teams in the National Football League. Yeah, let's see if the record pans out that way. Yeah, no, that probably is a good idea because we were all high on the Chiefs and and uh, excuse me, low on the Chiefs and high on the Raiders, and then somehow we had the Chiefs with the one of the best record in the NFL. <laughs> That's how it goes every year. Yep, nope, it really is. Okay, so the Chargers open up playing Las Vegas. We already had that being a win for them because it's the home, so we're having them split. And then on the road against Kansas City, I believe we have that as a loss because uh, they're yeah, on the road. So they that's Yeah, we have them. So split. that is correct. Mm-hmm. So they open one and one, and then in week three we have them beating Jacksonville in Houston. So we get to week five. We have Cleveland on the road against Cleveland. How do we feel? Are we taking a win there? I think we're taking a win there. Yeah, I think this, I mean, again, this is like me expecting Jacoby Brissett to still be starting, and now we know for a fact it's not Baker Mayfield. Shameless plug time, guys. Go listen to the Baker Mayfield episode we just did. Um, It's a good one. It's a lot of just kind of crazy off-the-cuff reaction because we didn't have time to prep for it. Um, All right, week six, they played Denver. Denver. I I think win. Win because it's home and we'll split? That's what I'm deciding on. Definitely a win because it's home, at the very least. Mm-hmm. I think a split would be fair. 
Okay, well, I was going to say, you've got time to figure it out because they don't play again until week 18. Um, okay, Seattle, which I'm assuming is kind of the default win. Sorry, Seattle. Yep. Week 8 is a bye week, so then they're on the road against the, the Falcons. I'm assuming we want to have that as a win. Yep. Now, we had San Francisco being a tag, I believe, for Kansas City and being and beating the Raiders straight up. Are we doing tag here or a loss? Appropriate. I'm sorry, you broke up for a second. What was that? I think tag is a good spot. Tag, okay. Kansas City again, where we had them uh, winning against this one because it was the split with the Chiefs. So then we have on the road against Arizona. I think that's a win. Okay, and then on the road against the Raiders. On the road against the Raiders, this is... Did we have them splitting with the Raiders? Um... Oh, yeah, we did. We did. Okay. Yep. I'm still liking that. Okay. And then week 14, Miami is a win. And week 15, Tennessee is a win. And week 16, Indiana is a win. And then week 17, we have the Rams in what has to be my favorite game ever. Yeah, this is definitely going to be a really, really good one. It's either going to be a tag or a loss. I don't think I am comfortable saying this is a win. Uh, I think I'm going to go loss. A loss, okay. So we've used up our tags. For have we? Oh, no, never mind. We only have one. Yeah, we can go tag. And then, have you made up your mind about Denver? I think we can have them split with Denver. We'll give Denver the benefit of the doubt. All right, so that is, let's see, two tags. We have just two losses, or is it? Oh, we have three losses. So that is, oh, Lord, we're going to have a... Good Lord, we have two 14-win teams in the AFC West. <laughs> I mean, it's so tough, man. This is such a difficult division. I think what we should do is we should see if we can fit a tag in with Miami. With Miami? Yeah, no? I think... Mm, I think if we're going to put a tag in, let's do one for Arizona. Okay, I can get behind that. So for those of you guys who don't know, the tag is basically where Tony and I are like, you know what? I don't know about this one. I got nothing. And uh, and we just we give half a win and half a loss to each team. And it's basically our way of saying, it, you know, it kind of it, it allows us almost to create variance in the schedule so that we can say, okay, we can at most you can expect all the tags to go their way or at worst you can expect none of the tags to go their way. And that kind of gives us a range to look at for when we go back and do the analysis later. Yeah. And we, what's our, what's our cap that we try not to go beyond four, four. Yeah. Yeah. Four is the most. We don't really do. We don't do that a whole that often. Yeah. I think we're not, we haven't broke it yet. Okay. All right. What's that? So settle. Do we feel about 13 and four, 13 and four. I mean, I think that's a pretty – I think that is a little optimistic. I'm not going to say it's realistic to expect a team to win 13 games, but I do think that that's kind of – that's a pretty good ceiling. If you can if you can pull off 13 wins, you're certainly doing something right. Yeah, no, they, they should be a pretty good team by that standard. All right, let's go to the last team in the Broncos. 
quickly do them and, and wrap up this week's episode. So Tony, I know, well, actually, let me do the fast facts. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Beginning with the draft, because why not? Mel's draft grade for the Broncos was a B minus. They needed tight ends, offensive tackles, and a cornerback. They did actually get a good tight end. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Their power football index ranking is 12th this year, and their strength of schedule is 15th, which I believe makes them worst in the division. Again, what a division you have if the worst schedule you have is still one of the most difficult in the NFL. Their cap health is 29% without the dead hit and 29% with the dead hit. Their lineups ranking was 18th offensively, third defensively. Their total DVOA was minus 1.4% for 18th in the NFL. They finished by missing the playoffs. Their Zelo rank for this season is 17th. They're projected by Zelo to go 8.8 and 8.2. And they are also sporting a new coaching staff with Nathaniel Hackett in his first year as the head coach, Justin Oten in his first year as the offensive coordinator, and Idro Ivaro in his first year as the defensive coordinator. So Tony, just go ahead and give us, I'm sure, what is a beautifully planned monologue about why this team is not going to perform at the level of the expectations set for them. I'm just going to kick my feet up and listen. <laughs> well, the thing that bothers me is when the Russell Wilson trade first happened, I was happy for the Broncos. I thought, wow, the Broncos are certainly going to be a better team this year uh, by a considerable margin. And at first people agreed, and then they took it too far. I heard a lot of people saying the Denver Broncos are going to the Super Bowl. The Denver Broncos are definitely going to be in the big game. They might even win the big game. That's just a little bit too far for me. I think the addition of Russ is great. Certainly going to improve that team 100%. But it's going, they're going to need a little bit more. Their defense last season was top three by lineups. And I don't really see that faltering. If it does falter, it's going to be less due to the actual unit uh, kind of declining and more due to the tough division uh, kind of beating up on them, as we've said with every other team. I, I, I I don't know if it's just me, Tony, or if it's... Um, or if it's your audio, but could you repeat maybe like the last two sentences there, kind of a little garbled there? Yeah, sure. All right. So I think the addition of Russ is great, certainly going to improve the team, but I think they're going to need a little bit more. Their defense last season, top three by lineups, and I don't really see that faltering. If it does falter, it's going to be not so much because the unit itself is doing poor. I think it's just their tough division. It's going to be beating up on them a little bit, as we've kind of talked about with every other team offensively, that's where their struggle is still going to be a little bit. They were middle of the pack last season, according to lineups. Not necessarily bad, but not great either. Uh, I think that Wilson should boost them, but how much? I would say that they remain sound in the rushing game. Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams in the backfield. Those are both really solid guys, and I think they're good there. In passing, last season they did not have a wide receiver crack 1,000 yards. They didn't even have a wide receiver get close. They did have a bit of a quarterback carousel, so I'm willing to let them prove themselves this year with no excuses. Not really going to hold it against them, though. But I don't think any of the wide receivers on the roster are suddenly going to light up the league. They just have a few decent receivers that could step up a little bit. Noah Font, their tight end, was their leader in receptions last year by a sizable margin. I think that kind of reflects the team perfectly. If your tight end is your leading target, there's an issue. He's great and all, and I do think that he is a very talented tight end, but your wide receiver needs to be a, your primary target in the passing game. This is a very good team, and I think that they can do really well in a different division. I just don't think that they're quite matching up in their own division right now. Not because they're a bad team again, just this division is so good with so many other good teams. I don't think this team is quite there. They need more weapons. 
Yeah, so I mean, I'm going to definitely echo that sentiment. So, like, the QB position is very clearly taken care of. Russell Wilson is a Hall of Fame talent and a an incredible quarterback. And so I think that, you know, should be fine, right? Now, is he the best quarterback in the division? Eh, like, I mean, this is still a pretty loaded division, but I think you could even make the argument that he's the third best quarterback in the division. Um, and so, which, which feels crazy, I know, because, again, I just said he's a Hall of Fame talent. But he's not even the best quarterback in his division, but I digress. Um, in acquiring Wilson, the Broncos sacrificed some really good assets. Uh, so looking at the skill positions area, uh, they, they gave away Noah Fant, their star tight end. Zelo actually grades him as one of, as the ninth best tight end last season, um, and was top, you know, is kind of can be a top five tight end if he just had a decent quarterback. Now, since he was dealt, obviously he's not in Bronco, uh, not a Bronco in Denver. Um, but the the Broncos were able to shore that up. They drafted Greg Dolchich, a tight end from UCLA, I believe, in the second round. So that fills that hole partially. I think tight ends are considered to be one of the positions that kind of it takes a year for them to really develop into what they can be. It, it takes them a year to just adjust, I guess. And you kind of saw that with Kyle Pitts, where he didn't have a great season, even though he at times appeared to be a bit of a generational talent and was really projected to be a generational talent. Um, so I think that helps kind of fill the hole partially left by Fant. It's, you know, it's a shame that he had to go. I think Seattle is, is kind of got a bunch of really great passing targets now. Um, and just doesn't have a quarterback to throw to them, which is, is a bummer for them. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, one thing that you talked about is them not having the wide receivers, or in this case, I guess you could say not having the horses. <laughs> um, no, not, not okay. Um, I say they don't have the horses at the wide receiver. Yeah. What? Even going to give it to you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um I thought I worked for it. Uh, okay, so they don't, they don't have the horsepower um, at, at, at the wide receiver position. Or would it be Bronco power? I don't know. Uh, I don't pretend to know. I'm not a car guy. Uh, but they have Tim Patrick and, and Cortland Sutton, who rank 43rd and 39th, according to Zelo, uh, in projections for the upcoming season. So on the ground, Denver is dramatically better. Javante is, according, is ranked 11th according to Zelo and Melvin Gordon 31st but again like the the lack of a dynamic pass catcher is probably going to be what holds the squad back and Russ is going to have to I think adjust to not having an elite pass catching target because DK Metcalf he had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett two really good wide receivers you know he was cooking with some of his best uh, ingredients last season and now he doesn't have those ingredients and has an offensive line that was actually worse than Seattle's by pass block win rate. And so uh, you know the Broncos did add Tom Compton and Billy Turner via free agency, but they are aging and they are good. Um but again, you know, they're aging, they're on cheap deals, I think. So they're not going to be really long-term pieces and they're not like, you know, it's not like adding a a, a first round franchise piece uh line player. So the line should probably get a little bit better. And the offense is going to get a huge leap because of Wilson, but it's still projected to be the third best in the division because it's just they don't have the star talent at wide receiver that they really need. Yeah, that's going to be the thing that really holds them back. You talked about their O-line. That's another thing I didn't even really touch on. But yeah, statistically, they were slightly worse than Seattle was last season. and that was Which really, is crazy. That, that was really Russ's big thing, too, which wanted to have a little bit more... He goes to Denver, and then he 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 essentially just lost lost his receivers. Is what he did. He lost his receivers, and he upgraded zero at the O line. So 
I think that this this offense is really just going to hold this team back. This defense, I am more than confident in, but the offense is going to need some more work. I think I, I think Russ left both because of the offensive line, but because I think he wanted more of a say in the goings on in Seattle, and he wasn't getting as much leverage or power as he wanted, and so I think that was probably the bigger reason as to why he left Seattle beyond the offensive line. But yes, that is kind of a good punching bag. And I think the offensive line is more a symptom of why he wanted to leave. He wanted more input. He wanted more offensive line help and he wasn't getting it, even though it was something that he voiced, uh, you know, wanting. So I think that was why. Um, And so quickly we can kind of touch on it defensively. Um, I think the Broncos did get better via the draft. So they added Nick Benito, an offensive linebacker from Oklahoma, a cornerback from Pitt, a uh, a defensive end from Iowa State, and a safety from Oklahoma. And in free agency, like they lost, they did lose some assets, but they were able to bring comparable pieces back for a comparable price tag. So they brought, they lost Kenny Young to the Raiders and got back Alex Singleton from the Eagles. They lost Justin Hamilton and got Randy, uh, Randy Gregory. They traded Shelby Harris, but they got DJ Jones back, you know, in the secondary, they lost Bryce Callahan and Kyle Fuller and they got Quan Williams back. Like I expect this unit to be very similar to what it was last year. If they hadn't lost Vic Fangio, who is of course fired for, you know, the, the Broncos basically spinning their wheels for the past couple of years. So with Fangs gone, I honestly do think the unit is going to drop a little bit, not because I don't trust the the new defensive coordinator, but just because he's unproven, and Vic Fangio is one of the better defensive coordinators slash head coaches in the league. And so I, I think maybe the unit, because it's getting younger and it's getting a new defensive coordinator and it's got new pieces, maybe slides from a, a top 10 unit to a top 10 unit. Seem yeah, fair, Tony? I, I, I definitely do agree Um Banjo was a major reason why that defense was always so dominant when the rest of the team really hasn't been pretty much since Peyton Manning left. So I think that that is going to hurt a little bit, but luckily for the Broncos, Fangio kind of put in place so many good things that that unit, like you said, at worst, probably going to slip to top 10. Uh, I think I'm going to be a little bit higher on them. Seven, top, probably seven to five is where I'd probably peg them at worst. Uh, but even if you can attain that, if you can just get a couple receivers in there and boost your O line, I think this is a this is a pretty much a Super Bowl caliber team. They just have a little bit more work to do in that front. Yeah, no, I think they they need some some pass catching weapons, and that'll be interesting to see if they try to trade for something at the deadline. Like if that becomes a really obvious problem or Russell fixes it because, you know, by having a quarterback, those wide receivers are able to take the next step because they don't have drew lock and Teddy Bridgewater throwing to them. That's also totally possible, but you know, that's kind of the biggest question mark right now is if can, can they get production from the wide receivers? We will see. We shall. Okay. So they start at Seattle because the NFL loves doing uh, new quarterback plays old team in week one. I'm assuming Seattle is a pretty slam dunk win. Yeah. We have them winning against Houston. How about the 49ers? 49ers, that's a tough one. Um, I think I I think I'm gonna say a straight loss for this one. Straight loss. Okay, interesting. I was expecting a tag. Um, maybe we need to revisit that in a bit. Uh, uh, week four, we have them losing to the Raiders, and in week five, we have them tagged to Indiana. Week six, obviously, we have them losing to the Chargers. In week seven and eight, we have them beating the Jets and Jaguars, respectively. 
Week 9 is a bye. Week 10, they play uh, at Tennessee, and we have the winning. In Week 11, we have the winning home to Las Vegas in the split. Week 12, are they going to beat the newly minted Baker Mayfield Panthers? Yes. Yes? <laughs> yep. that. You're too happy with that. Um, yeah. All right, on the road against Baltimore. Win. Home to Kansas City. I believe we have that is a loss. Yes. I think we I think we need to give Denver a split of Kansas City. I don't know. I think how would you feel about a a, a one tag one loss instead of I think I can swallow that a little bit better. All right, let's do that then cuz I don't I don't like after recanting all of the the issues that we have found with Denver, I do think that we 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 can't really have them straight up beating our 14 win Kansas City Chiefs. I feel like that's why we need to have them beating the Kansas City Chiefs because nobody should well, be 14 that, that, that wins. Could be true as well. Okay, I have a pro- so I have I have a problem. Okay. That tag on Kansas City now puts Kansas City over the tag threshold. Does it? I think it's why we need to to make it a straight up win. Fine. Yes. All right, I won. <laughs> see so that becomes a loss great audio i know um okay arizona in week 15 i i like a tag i do too los angeles in week 16 the rams of course not the chargers i'm gonna say loss yeah yeah all right kansas city we have them losing because that's the road game against kansas city and then week 18 we have them beating the chargers as part of their split so how do we feel about that i like that all right, so that's two tags and five losses. Okay. Well, we know they won't be a 14-win team, that's for sure. That's something. we got to start somewhere. No, instead they'll be 11-6. and six. Which I think is a, not a bad spot to be in. They definitely improved a significant amount, but they're not going to win their division or the Super Bowl anytime. Yeah, I think that's a playoff team, though. I think the Broncos, Chiefs, and Chargers will all be playoff teams, and the Raiders will miss. Which, I like that, honestly. I'm okay with that. I think that the Broncos yeah. will probably be a first, at best, second round out. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, let's see, looking at other records, now that we have actually assembled some. So, it'll be the Colts will be the winner coming out of the AFC South, and then nobody else from the AFC South is coming out. The, the Chiefs are currently like half a game ahead of the Chargers, so they'll win that division with the Chargers and Broncos being wildcard teams, respectively. And then the Bills will win the AFC East, and the Dolphins will be a wild... The, oh, no, the Dolphins will miss, because we'll pa- we have the Patriots in. Okay, I like that. Wow. Okay, yeah, so the, the picture is beginning to form, people. Um, next week, when we come back to you, I'm assuming we'll do the NFC East, unless you want to change it up, Tony. Does, do you have a particular division in mind? I'm up for anything. Up to you. Yeah. Well, I say in honor of Baker Mayfield, we should do the NFC South. Let's do it then. All right. So when we come back, we're going to completely jump our schedule around, and we're going to do the NFC South. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you then. Thank you, Thank you very much, guys.